Welcome to another episode of the Waypoint Pastors Wives podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Bishop, and I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. Part of our goal here at the Waypoint Pastors Wives podcast is to create a community where we can come alongside each other, encourage each other, and find our joy in this thing that we do together. If you're not part of our Facebook community for Pastors Wives, I would love for you to join. It's called the Waypoint Pastors Wives Podcast Community, and you can find it on Facebook by searching, or you can check out the show notes of today's episode for more information. We are here for part two of our episodes on mental health and the pastor's wife. Today, we're going to continue to hear from Tiffany Markwood as she shares some practical advice for us. We're struggling with suicidal thoughts or with anxiety and for the people that we minister to. Even if you don't struggle with depression, anxiety, or suicidal thoughts, you will most likely come in contact with someone in your ministry time that does and who could use your help and encouragement. So this is going to help you kind of understand how people that struggle with these things think and how you can help react in a loving and assuring way to walk them through this to the other side. I'm so glad that you're here. I really believe this is a topic that we all need to learn more about. And Tiffany's going to share some really great resources that I will link to in the show notes as well to help give you more training if you would desire it as you serve as the pastor's wife or maybe even for your husbands. I love this idea of being proactive and being prepared for these conversations because they are going to come to us. And the more prepared we can be to help people through it, the better off our church communities and our world will be. So take a listen, find those show notes, and join us at the Waypoint Pastors Wives podcast community on Facebook. Let's get on with our conversation. So we wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this topic of suicide, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the, the many losses we've seen in our own community, uh, as, as far as pastor's wives go recently, it's, you know, it's something you hear about pastors all the time too. Um, so I, I know you shared this in the previous episode, but right off the top, could you just share again, that suicide hotline number? Absolutely. The national suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I like to share with folks and make sure people know about is the crisis text line, awesome. which is 741-741. And I would say in today's day and age, we might be more likely to text than to yes. call. Yep. So that's great. I love that that's a, um, an option for people. So you, you deal with suicidal ideations all the time in your workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the go-to like techniques and strategies that mm-hmm. therapists are using right now to kind of help people through those feelings to the other side? Absolutely. Um, one of the things I heard recently at a training that I really liked was this idea that when you're feeling suicidal or having suicidal thoughts, that it's like your brain is on fire. Hmm. And, um, yeah. and also that those thoughts 
are a clue that you need some help. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about how pain is a clue that something is wrong in our body. And so when your mind is having these dark thoughts, it's like a clue that something is wrong and that you need help. And it, it doesn't have to feel like shame or um, fear or panic. It can just be, Oh, huh, that happened. I think Mm -hmm. I may need some self-care. I may need some support. I may need to talk to someone. I need a break. (laughs) I need some help. Um, It's a symptom. It's a symptom. Absolutely. And, you know, there's all kinds of good help and support that's available um, when we're feeling that way. Um, But I really like that brain is on fire thing because there's this idea that if we know what to do, then we can just practice this mantra and then we can just sort of have it at the ready whenever we need it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but I remember very clearly in grade school that if you're on fire, what are you supposed to do? Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. And we all learned that. And I think we even had to like practice it. I remember practicing in the classroom. So this idea in, in, in some current um, research and strategies for for helping people with suicidal thoughts is to is to learn something very similar, mm. so that when your brain is on fire, you automatically know what to do because you've thought about it and you've practiced it. Um, and so there's actually a stop, drop, and roll for suicidal thoughts. Wow! And the stop is shut it down. And just like you pour water on a fire, well, I'm not a firefighter. I know Mm. there's some kind of fires you're not supposed to pour water on. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, um, this idea of either go to sleep, Mm -hmm. which is a way to shut it down, um, or um, affect yourself and help yourself switch gears by doing something with cold water. And if you've never thought about that before, it might sound kind of strange, hmm. but your sensory experiences are very closely connected yeah. to your emotions and your thoughts. And there is all kinds of research about this, that if you can shock yourself with a cold temperature change, it could be dipping your face in cold water. It could be hands in cold water. Um, it, it could be a cold shower <laughs> that that kind of experience helps you to get out of this spiral yeah. that you're in um, with these negative thoughts and helps you to cool down, calm down and really shift gears. And the now matters website, which I had mentioned, I think in our last um, mm, yes. conversation um, has actually videos that teach you this in a very supportive, very, almost a fun way. Um, but literally shows you step by step, how to use this cold water method. That's awesome. Um, we'll it's, definitely it's really put that cool video stuff. in the show notes yeah. too. That's great. Um, so that's the shut it down. That's the stop and then the drop is drop everything like don't make any big decisions Mm. at all killing yourself is a big decision yes and when your brain is on fire um it's not a good time to make big decisions Mm. so you, you ignore the thoughts that you don't care if you die you know you know that when you're feeling well that's not a true thought that you really believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, as Christians, we know that God made us and loved us and knows every hair on our head and has a purpose for us. And he's designed us for such a time as this. And so we know that that's not his plan for us in that moment yeah. when we're feeling well, but when our brain is on fire, <laughs> we're not thinking clearly. So don't make any big decisions, drop it. Um, so that's stop, drop. Roll is roll yourself into a social connection. Mm. Um, 
the best thing you could do is make eye contact with another human being. <laughs> it could be someone you live with. It could be a support person that's really close by. Um, eye contact. It could be a pet even. If you have a supportive animal friend yeah. um, living with you, that can even be um, helpful. Um, or FaceTime. Uh, video chat, Zoom, Skype, whatever it is. Um, but this idea of eye contact, and then if it's someone you can conversate with, which might not be your pet, um, <laughs> you could ask, or maybe, but you could ask that individual, can you help me get out of my head? Wow. Um, that's one of those prompting questions, but just having that uh, uh, social connection. So that's the stop, drop, and roll. I love that. I love, I love what you said about, um, the fire, our brains being on fire and that being a symptom, because just like in any, in anything, you know, we can get this idea that if you have a suicidal thought, it means you're going to kill yourself. But, you know, a fire doesn't mean utter destruction. It doesn't mean someone's going to die. It doesn't mean you're going to lose all of your possessions. A fire can be put out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I love, I love that kind of analogy there between those two things as a reminder that, it's not, a, you know, one suicidal thought is not death. Like it's not the end. Absolutely. And a really important safety strategy is to, is to plan ahead for mm. these feelings. If you know that you're struggling or there's been a few times where you have found yourself in a dark place, yeah. then, you know, the, what's deadly about suicide is impulse. Mm -hmm. It's an impulse in the moment. And of course, firearms are the most deadly because it's just, so quick yeah and it often um only takes one shot and it, and unfortunately it's not always something people can um come back from yeah. it physically right. and so you know we often talk about that kind of safety planning um you know it's a real good idea to limit access to anything that's lethal mm. um and to really kind of think about that but it's also a great idea to have something like stop drop and roll something you sort of rehearse when you're not on fire yeah <laughs> so you're kind of ready with that um and the other piece i know we started off this discussion with some hotlines that you, yes we always recommend people program it into your phone oh that's because great because then it it's just there and you're not looking for it. You don't have to find the piece of paper you wrote it on. You don't have to Google it. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we live in that day and age where we're all kind of attached to our smartphones. Yeah. Um, and so when it's an impulse and you know, you can touch it on your phone, you're much more likely to utilize it. That's so smart. I mean, like as a parent, I have poison control programmed into my phone. That's a good um, idea. And you know, it, and it's something that I could use for my kids. I could use for myself if I ingested poison or for somebody else. Um, so even if you aren't someone who struggles, I think programming that into your phone to be able to share it with someone in the moment, why not? Let's be proactive about this. I love that. Absolutely. Do you want me to share one more thought? I brought Absolutely. With me? Whatever, um, <laughs> whatever you have that will give us um, more insight into all of this. And, and I, I know that Stacy will probably be able to post some of these um, resources as well, because there's an individual psychologist named Ursula Whiteside, where um, I got a lot of these tools from, and I'm just really impressed with her current modern approach to suicide therapy and suicide prevention, how she makes her tools and resources available um, for the general public. And mm. that's on that website, wow. the now matters now org um, is a lot of her stuff. But one of the most powerful things that she put out recently um, that I came across is 10 things we wish we knew. This, th this is written by people in recovery from suicidal experiences where they share what they'd say to themselves 
now. So these are people who have experienced these thoughts or even attempted? Yes. Okay. And if they could say something to themselves in that moment when yeah. they were considering suicide or actually attempted suicide, these are the kinds of things that they would say. Um, I shouldn't be ashamed. Mm. There wasn't something fundamentally wrong with me. Yeah. There is another way. There is another path that I can take when I get to that dark place. Mm. Suicidal thoughts are our brain's way of trying to regulate emotions of extreme distress. Mm. And that's actually true. It's like just having that thought is kind of like a, a relief. Yeah. It's your brain's way of, of dealing with severe stress. Uh -huh. um, I just know nowadays that if I have a suicidal thought and I read it as a clue to check in with myself mm. about what my brain is needing to escape. Wow. That there are things I could do to help reduce and cope with these thoughts and feelings that were in my power. Mm. I think that's a big one. Sometimes when we're feeling really dark, we feel powerless. Yeah. And this reminds us that we're not powerless. You have control. Yeah. And of course, we know as Christians that God is ultimately powerful. Yeah, <laughs> and we know that there's power available to us. Um, another one was that these feelings and urges to die won't always be that strong. Wow. It's a temporary feeling and it will go away. Mm. Um, or get smaller. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've heard the phrase, don't make an internal decision based on a temporary feeling. Absolutely. Feelings are temporary. Yeah. We have feelings all the time. They oh, come yes. and go. Yes. <laughs> um, not usually the best way to make decisions. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, that other people also feel this way. Yeah. In fact, a lot of people do. And I felt so alone. Mm. Um, to say to myself, comfort yourself. Dear one, you deserve love and mm. care. Isn't that what God would say to us? Yeah. Um, things will change. There are people out there who care and want to help you. And the last one says, if we could normalize these thoughts, remember that others feel this way, or even you feel this way because of what you're going through or what you have gone through, but ending your life does not have to be the answer. Wow. Yeah, so many of those um go back to that practice of self-compassion that you were talking about in, in the previous conversation we had. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so much easier to say those things and to think those things towards other people. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually started an episode of the podcast not that long ago where I said something along the lines of, it's really easy for us to say the right things and quote the right scripture to all the people we're encountering that we're yeah. ministering to but sometimes we have to stop and remember that we have to believe this for ourselves too. Absolutely. Knowing that you are not alone, that you're not the only one that struggles with something like this is huge. Mm -hmm. And scriptural. You know, I think about that many times throughout scripture, this example of community mm -hmm. and lifting each other up and supporting one another and not going at it alone, whether it's Job with his friends you know, David and his friend, Jonathan, um, Jesus calling 12 disciples to come around him yeah. and hang out with him in ministry. Obviously, if doing things all alone um, was the ideal, then I don't think that Jesus, our greatest role model, would have gathered 12 people around him to hang out with all the time. That's so true. And I think it's 
it's just further evidence that he wouldn't have given us the Holy Spirit to dwell mm. within us. Our comforter. If we were meant to be alone. Our comforter. Exactly. <laughs> our advocate. Like, our comforter. He, I, yes. you know, goosebumps just thinking about it. And I, you know, I think we so often take for granted the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are literally not alone. Never. We're never alone. And that, it's beautiful if you can remember that. It's another one of those things to practice. <laughs> practice remembering that you're never alone. He's always, always with you. If you were, if 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 you were talking to somebody who is helping someone else through this, mm-hmm. like say you're talking to me and it's my husband that's dealing with this, how mm-hmm. would you encourage me to help him? That's a great. Question. Would your approach be any different than telling me directly? <laughs> <laughs> I think letting your loved one know that you care and that you have this non-judgmental, unconditional, positive regard for them. Mm. Um, and it's okay to ask questions, like not to be afraid of talking about suicide with someone that's going to make them suicidal. Yeah. That is absolutely not true. Um in fact, it's quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about it can only be a helpful thing. It doesn't plant ideas or anything like that. Yeah, that is it. That is a yes. concern, though. I hear mm-hmm. that. If people are feeling that way, they're feeling that way. If they're not feeling the way, they're not. They're not feeling that way. And by you mentioning it, the likelihood of you actually helping them open up is much greater than any likelihood that you're going to hurt the person. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think being real, being honest, being open, and um, and sort of not giving up. You know, and, yeah. and even if it takes some persistence, <laughs> just continuing to let that person know that that you care um, and that you're there for them. Yeah, because it's definitely one of those things where if you've never experienced it, it's really difficult to understand. So how can we be sympathetic to people when we don't feel that way ourselves, when we've never experienced those things? Is there good techniques for putting yourselves into other people's shoes just to, to help walk, walk through that with them. You know, I'm sure that if there's something that you're really familiar with because you've been through it and you can imagine talking to someone who's never been through it Mm. and how would that feel? Um, You know, we think about speaking a different language or having a different culture, like what you know is what you're familiar with. And just because you don't know about it doesn't mean it's less real. Mm. Um, so I think just having to remind yourself that just because it isn't something that you personally have experienced, that doesn't make it less painful mm. or less real for that person. Yeah. And it is, I, I understand how difficult it can be because it's not always physically obvious. It's just like chronic pain. It's not always mm. physically obvious that a person is struggling with something. Um, so it can be easy to kind of forget even that people are hurting Mm-hmm. We call it psychic pain, emotional pain, mental pain. And I know folks just from working in this field and, 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 and seeing people struggling with anxiety and depression, that's very severe. They will tell you they would rather deal with physical pain mm. than the mental pain. Yeah. <laughs> Which if you've had physical pain, you know, that's a really big deal to say that. For sure. <laughs> um, wow. But it is, it's painful. And you're right. It's not visible. And so, and there's stigma attached to it. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, sometimes there's this idea of, um, you know, just suck it up or 
pull yourself up by your bootstraps or just trust it's God. In your head. What is your problem? Yeah. Um, but it, there are real concerns there Absolutely. that need help. Okay. So if I have a friend that I think is struggling, maybe I even know that she struggles with her mental health, but, but I think that it's possible that she could be suicidal. Mm -hmm. How, what should I do? I think that if this is someone who you have a trusting rapport with, mm -hmm. um, that it's definitely okay to just talk about it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to just kind of push yourself into their life a little bit. <laughs> hey, do you want to go for coffee? Hey, do you want to take a walk? Hey, why don't you come over? Hey, let's go um, to the doctor together. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, that's true. And it might take some coaxing or some giving them the messages, this is a safe place yeah. and there's no judgment here and it's okay. And, you know, in our Christian perspective and spirituality, we can say things like, God has laid it on my heart that I need <laughs> to talk to you. Um, and they might be able to listen to us then. Yeah. Uh, but but just this idea of, of, of whatever we're saying to them is in compassion, it's in love. And, um, and I like that idea of coming alongside, like sometimes it might be saying, Hey, do you want us to sit here together and make some phone calls? Yeah. And Hey, I, you know, I, I, I know there is, there's this therapist that I've heard of that does a really great job with mm -hmm. people. Um, maybe we can go together to the first appointment, yeah. you know, that idea of like joining with the person and helping them take those steps. Yeah. And definitely coming across as though you are concerned, not mm -hmm. out of judgment. Absolutely. Um, that's a big deal. I'm here for you whenever you're ready. Yeah. Just know I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because now is not always the right time. Um, yeah. I think it would be huge to know that somebody is concerned enough to mm -hmm. ask you those questions. Um, it might bring you out of that hiding. Yeah. If it's something you're ashamed to talk about or afraid to talk about or. Um, right. But if somebody else brings it up to yeah. you, it's a little easier than going, Hey, I'm thinking about. Yeah. X, Y, Z. Oh yeah. Um, when you don't have to take the initiative, when you're depressed, it's really hard to take initiative. Right. Really hard. And I can't imagine yes. like how difficult it would be to spring the conversation on a loved one of, Hey, I'm thinking about suicide. Yeah. It's not like, I, it's just not, not a conversation you want to put yourself into, uh, especially if you're not sure how your loved one's going to react. That's a very true thing. I think sometimes people are worried about the, the how their loved ones will feel yeah. when they admit that they're really struggling that much. And so that might prevent them from talking about it. For sure. Now on the other side, I know people who have um, regretted that they didn't say something soon enough mm -hmm. and lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. How do you get through that? How do you get through that? I guess what they call it is survivor's remorse. Survivor's skill. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you walk somebody through that? I'm guessing you've seen somebody in your counseling mm -hmm. oh, experience. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that has gone through this. How do you, mm -hmm. how do you get past that guilt? I think we look at guilt as, um, is it a healthy guilt or an unhealthy guilt? Is this something that you're truly responsible for? And one of the things that we know for a fact that you are never responsible for is someone else's actions. Yeah. Um, 
of course, we can always have hindsight 2020. We can always second guess ourselves a hundred million times. I wish I would have done this differently. I wish I would have done that differently. And that's yeah. a natural, normal reaction yeah. um, to any kind of loss um, of that nature. But I think we just have to keep caring for ourselves and we have to keep rationalizing that and, and understanding that, you know, we are literally not responsible for what another person does or no. does not do. Um, and we have to give that over to God that the, you know, Jesus paid the ultimate price for all of mm. our sins so that we would not have to live with guilt yeah. and that we can give that, those feelings over and seek that grace and that forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and, and at first it's raw and at first it's painful and we're just grieving. Um, there's wonderful grief support people that specialize in grief counseling specifically mm. that can be very helpful to go to during those times. Um, again, some of those same supports that we talk about with any kind of emotional health that you're you're not alone. There are people yeah. who have felt that way. There could be support groups or online communities of survivors of loved ones who have died by suicide. Yeah. Those things exist. And, right. and these feelings you're having are not brand new feelings. Mm -hmm. And other people have walked through those feelings and have come to a place of healing. Yeah. And so finding opportunities in, uh, to seek that out um, and just knowing that it does take time um, to grieve and to heal. And ultimately at some point, um, you might be ready to realize that because you've learned from this painful experience, you may have an opportunity to share with someone else mm. and to help someone else, um, with that kind of an issue, you know, down the road because Absolutely. of what you've been through. Absolutely. And I, I know from, uh, loss that I have experienced in the past that, being able to help someone else through that same experience. It wasn't that it made it all better and it wasn't that it made it like, well, God did that so that I could have that experience so I could go through this with this person, exactly. but it helped feel like it gave it some sort of purpose. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that, that was huge to feel mm -hmm. like I could help someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, we were actually watching a TV show this past week. Um, that dealt with a teenager who had died by suicide and it was a very strange show. I wouldn't recommend you watch it, but <laughs> the, the deceased boy had come back to talk to his parents and his sister. And he actually said this statement that I thought was very poignant about this situation. And he said, you have to separate me from what I did that day. Mm. And like that idea of separating the person from their action is so important because we, we all know what impulses feel like. Absolutely. I, I think everybody who's human could yeah. probably identify at least one time mm. where they did something that is against their character and that they, they regretted and it's not really who they are and they were able to navigate that or work through that. And, yeah. and most of the time, fortunately, those sorts of decisions don't cause any irrevocable damage. Yeah. It might have consequences that we have to work through um, and learn from. But unfortunately, when that type of, of decision is suicide, it's just such a permanent consequence. Mm. It made me think of some of the things I've heard about, um, you know, folks who have been in that dark place and, and attempted to commit suicide or, or to end their life, um, but have survived, you know, such as from a fall, like jumping off of a tall bridge mm. or something like that. Folks will describe 
a feeling they have in midair of immediately regretting oh, wow. the decision that they made. Um, and, and those are folks that have survived and are able to talk about it. Wow. So I think that for the folks that have unfortunately um, not survived those attempts, you know, how many of those folks would say that um, they really wish they had not done that? Right. I think it's overwhelmingly the majority. Wow. So I attended um, a conference for pastor's wives a couple of years ago and there was a a pastor who had died by suicide maybe less than a year before this con this conference and his wife was there and she was able to share you know their story and how how all of that had affected their family um, and one of the really important things i think that she shared was how to respectfully talk about people who've died by suicide. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think you could probably talk into this better than I can. So I'll, I'll just hand it over to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually a poster that's out there um, in some of this material um, that I've really benefited a lot from, from learning from and that now matters now movement mm -hmm. that is says language matters. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've heard Stacy use that, um, language even today, as we've been talking about this, that respectful, um, you know, we don't call that a successful suicide or mm. an unsuccessful suicide nice. attempt. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. We say that the person struggles with suicidal thinking. Um, this person struggles with with challenges um not that this person just is a suicidal person yeah. you know we don't identify people um directly in that way but we describe um what they're struggling with and um that someone died by suicide um is is a respectful way to talk about that i i, I love that there is just a much more respectful and um a much more compassionate mm -hmm. way to speak about it. And I, I think that's huge for um, survivors of suicide and for the family members of those who've died by suicide. Definitely. And, you know, remembering that a lot of times, if not most of the time, you know, that, that impulsive decision is a result of suffering from an illness mm -hmm. that is called depression. Yeah. And that it's a medical condition that can really affect the way people think and and the way people feel and just alter their decision making abilities. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's an illness, if if not treated, mm -hmm. can lead to death, just like many other illnesses exactly. that we face. Exactly. And if you would go to the doctor because you had cancer, yeah, why would you not ask for help? You when wouldn't you're feel struggling? shame. That's right, because exactly. we don't feel shame if we're asking help for our pink eye or our poison ivy exactly. or our heart condition or kidney condition yeah. or blood sugar condition. Mm. There's not a feeling of shame that goes along with that. I mean, maybe we'll get a little bit of a prod to eat better or walk right. more. <laughs> right. Which also um, would help your mental health. Absolutely. Some too. That's so true. But um, yeah, there's the, the shame stigma associated with it is so hard to overcome. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, I think I know in the church, especially uh, that is difficult and it's going to continue to be difficult, which is why we're, you know, that's why we're talking about it today. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think it'd be really hard to admit to your 
church friends or your church leadership that you're thinking about taking your own life because we would just really think that that's against what what the bible teaches or our values in christianity um and you know it's it's something that's important to be compassionate even while we may have those values Mm. but to continue to also recognize that a person who feels that way needs our support yes they need our care they need help um not judgment yeah is there anything else along these lines that you'd like to share with us before we wrap up? Um, sure. There's a resource that has come to light in the last few years called Mental Health First Aid. And it's a good thing to be aware of, something to Google and where whatever region you live in. There might be some trainings out there, some resources out there. Um, they are designed especially for lay people, like not mental health professionals, awesome. but, you know, um, ministry professionals, um, everyday people, <laughs> loved ones. Um, again, it goes back to this idea of, you know, when you're on fire, you know what to do. And we've learned these techniques for how to help someone with choking or how to yeah. help someone with with, um, you know, a so CPR, it's, it's CPR class, yes, for but it's for mental health. Wow, and awesome. so, yeah, so this curriculum has been designed. I'm pretty sure it's nationwide at this point. Um, it's just looking for the resources in your locality of who would provide the training. I know mm-hmm. in our local system, I passed it on to um, our outreach coordinator yeah. um, at New Life to let them know that um, these resources are available in the community. So that's something I would look for if you're in the helping um, arena um, as a pastor spouse. If you're feeling healthy and you want to be there for other people, um, it's just something that's good to be aware of. Yeah. I feel like that should be mandatory training in 2021. (laughs) Um, So I would would definitely challenge all of you listening to look that up. I will be doing the same thing tomorrow because Mm -hmm. I... um, I know I could benefit from that. I have walked through it, but I don't know that I did it very gracefully um, and certainly would have appreciated more and more, um, you know, just education and awareness of how to do it better. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's great. Thank you for, for sharing that resource. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. That's good questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, as, as a pastor's wife who comes across these kind of things, the mm-hmm. more, you know, if you want to go back to those old commercials. The that's more right. Know. This is your public service announcement for whatever that website was that Tiffany just said. Uh, I'll share it in the show notes. But um, yeah, that was great. I uh, I really, really appreciate your sharing all of this with us. And my guess is you're going to go to bed tonight and think, ah, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> so I um, there's always, always something more that we can learn about these things. And um with the mental health crisis being what it is right now, Mm -hmm. educating yourself if you are not someone who struggles is definitely uh, something that I would recommend. And I know that Tiffany would recommend and uh, definitely, especially in the church. I mean, we see it, we see it all the time, much more than we should. And that's because of the stigma. That's because we are not allowed to talk about it. And so we're breaking the silence. And we hope that you uh, find comfort and some some help and support in that. And again, if you have questions, um, if you need somebody to talk to, I'm here. You know how to get a hold of me. It's in the show notes if you don't. Um, and again, don't forget about the suicide hotline and the text line that Tiffany gave us as resources. Those are definitely great free resources mm-hmm. um, to help get you some support when you need it. <laughs> 
right, Tiffany, would you mind praying for our listeners as we wrap up this conversation? Of course, I would be happy to. Thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, we are, first of all, just so thankful for this opportunity. Thank you for this venue. Thank you for our listeners. Um, thank you for Waypoint for partnering with um, such a, an important um, topic and what a great opportunity to share. Lord, first of all, I'm so thankful for pastors and pastors' wives. Um, I'm intimately familiar with the struggles and how real it is and how challenging it is to be in ministry and to be in service um, and to make it your life's work. And so I do lift each and every one of, of these lovely people up to you and just pray that they would be in your hands of care and strength and grace and give them the, the wisdom and the words and the courage to to reach out and to meet those needs um, with your wisdom and with your strength, uh, that we are never alone and we never enter into these difficult territories without uh, you um, being absolutely present with us in every moment. Um, and Lord, we just thank you for um, all of the uh, resources that are available yeah. to us. We are th- so thankful to live in a time of of media and um, different trainings and resources that are available to us. And then we're living in a culture that is is really working to grow and to end the stigma of mental health and to know that people really do need support mm-hmm. and, and, and help in these areas. And thank you for giving us these um, resources and knowledge and skills and abilities that we can talk about and we can share and we can pass along um, to other people. And Lord, we are so thankful for for God's word, mm-hmm. for all of the many examples in scripture that remind us <laughs> that walking around with a happy, happy smile mm-hmm. um, every single day is not necessarily mandatory um, for being a follower of Jesus and being a person that's after God's own heart. Um, the Bible is full of examples, you know, of lamentations, yeah. of people crying out, of people being in very, very difficult places emotionally and spiritually, and yet continuing to reach out to you and ask for strength. So we know that that is real and we know that we can do that too and and help us to remember that during those times of struggle um, that you've given us so many examples that we can look to um, for how to communicate our feelings and how to get strength. Um, And we are so thankful that you have prepared a place for us where there is no more tears of this kind and that there is no more suffering and that we can look forward to joining you there um, in your full presence um, at the appointed time that you have set for us. Mm-hmm. And, and we are thankful for that promise and for all of your many promises. Yeah. And we continue to ask that you would give us grace and wisdom to navigate these difficulties as they come and to, um, to know your presence with us in every moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for sticking around for this conversation. I really believe this is such an important topic. And I'm so thankful for Tiffany for sharing with us uh, for these past two episodes. We are going to have at least one more episode on mental health. And I look forward to hearing some real life testimony from women who have struggled, who have dealt with suicidal thoughts or have survived suicide as a loved one of someone who died by suicide. And so we're going to hear those things. And I think it's important not to listen to it to make ourselves sad, but to listen to it, to hear 
what God can do through these things and to help give ourselves some perspective for when we talk to people who are struggling and people who are grieving loss by suicide. So I hope that you will stay tuned for that episode that's coming up in two weeks. And if you didn't already, go back and listen to part one of our series on mental health. I think you will enjoy that greatly. Before we wrap up today, I do want to remind you that ICOM 2021, the International Conference on Missions, is just a month away at this point. It starts Thursday, November 18th. And there is lots of great information about what's going on at theicom.org. It's a great way for you to introduce your church, your students, your family to the idea of international missions, what that looks like, what God is doing around the globe, and how we can be a part of it. I personally am excited to get to take my family there, and I hope that you will join us in Richmond, Virginia on November 18th. Thanks again for being with us for this episode. I pray that you have a great week and that we will see you back here again soon. Bye.